the Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. I'm Joe. Recovering from Thanksgiving, it was kind of quiet for me. Matt, how about you? Uh, not quiet. Not <laughs> quiet. We actually, we headed, we went down to my uncle's house down in Connecticut. Uh, my grandfather, he's 93, and, and you know, who knows how many more more Thanksgivings we have with them. So uh, kind of got the family together down in Connecticut, ate a lot of food, came home, watched a Christmas movie with the boys, passed out on the couch, up <laughs> early, got our Christmas tree cut down. Nice. I'm ready for bed. We're, we're, we, rec- we are recording this Friday afternoon at around three o'clock. And uh, I am ready for bed. Yeah, that's how you know it's a holiday season when you're tired at three yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. Or if you're if you're old like me and Daryl, you're tired at three every afternoon. Daryl, yes. how about how about you? What'd you do for Thanksgiving? First first off, I've already taken a short nap today. All <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, so I'm kind of blessed with being gluten free. So there's very little for me to eat at Thanksgiving. I get to eat the turkey, I get to eat the cranberry sauce, I get to mashed potatoes and the green beans and that's about it no pie no stuffing no gravy so you know it's good for my my uh, weight control so yeah but uh, you know so I, I ate no dessert yesterday everybody else is picking out on these beautiful pies not me well, same. I'm celiac and diabetics too, so I get it kind of from both sides. So it really does sort of control the, all these sort of food-based holidays. It controls how much you're able to overindulge. You really can't. So I spread my eating out over the course of the day, but I I allowed myself a cupcake yesterday, which was uh, good, fairly, fairly rare good. indulgent. But speaking of Thanksgiving dinner, I want to talk about your guy Matthew Judon because he. Whoa! Came- what a great player. But he came out uh, just a couple of days before Thanksgiving with this statement against mac and cheese as a Thanksgiving side, and I'm I'm I, and I'm with him for a bunch of reasons. First of all, mac and cheese, unless you're seven years old, is you should have outgrown your taste for mac and cheese. I Not also, true. Not true. I I, I don't. Uh, this you guys are gonna. This will shock you both and shocks the world when I tell people this. I don't like cheese. As an adult, I do not eat cheese. I'll eat buffalo milk mozzarella, like the fresh stringy kind of mozzarella, yeah. but no like dairy-based cheeses at all. I just, I just, and I, I just, if you're eating grilled cheese sandwiches and mac and cheese, I feel like your palate is stuck in elementary school. Well, no let me way. ask you a question. Have you, when you eat, um, when you did eat uh, macaroni and cheese, was it from a package mix? Like Never, I don't, I don't know that I've, I've maybe tried it once. And if it was, it, it was, I was young enough to where my mom probably made it like something from scratch. Right. I, honestly, I believe if you make like my kids who are now 32 at the youngest, we lived on macaroni and cheese. I made it from scratch because um, Joanne's mother had made it from scratch and I kind of learned from her and it's not super hard, but um, it is great. It is a great yeah. meal and kids love it. You know? I mean, I mean Joe, I, I, up to 18, they love it. They love it. I, I still like, I'm not talking craft macaroni and cheese. I'm not going there. Like, you know, the boys like that. I might have a spoonful or two, um, but I don't crave that's not macaroni no. and cheese, but no. a real macaroni and cheese, you know, cheese has a lot of flavor and texture to it. And you put oh, different cheeses in there. It's just congealed fast. I get, I get you don't like it. So, but I, I actually just made a macaroni and cheese in the Instapot the other night for dinner. And it wow. actually was very good. It uh, cheddar yeah. and 
um, huh. Asiago maybe, and some other, you know, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, let's, we'll get to, we can get to the instant pot in a second, but the other thing, the other thing that puzzled me is it seems like I had never, we, we didn't have our family Thanksgivings when I was growing up, mac and cheese. I don't remember it being on the dinner table. I don't Same remember here. that being a Thanksgiving Same staple. Is this something that just happened like the last three years? Right. I don't know. I've never heard of it before. Have you Matt? No, we, no macaroni no. and cheese. I mean, we we were big into multiple. Court. We we had the whole Italian. You know, we did the anipas. We did the the scarlet yeah, soup. Yeah. We did you know lasagna, um, the turkey with all the mac and cheese. Baked ziti. We always had baked ziti. Yeah, macaroni yeah. and cheese was not uh, typically a side. Well, I guess for, baked ziti would be the Italian version of macaroni and cheese, though. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so, but, I, are, but you guys, are you guys noticing that it's now a thing? Macaroni cheese is like it, this is like the apparently this is like the third most popular Thanksgiving side dish now. What? You know, well here here, huh. it's a kid favorite. Yeah, and kids kids do not love turkey, and they don't love stuffing and gravy. These aren't kids that are celebrating this though. That are that I mean, it's all they're part of the dinner table. Families, I could understand families making macaroni and cheese as, hey, my kid's not going to eat the turkey. They're just going to eat the bread. They might as well throw some macaroni and cheese on the plate, too. I can see that. That makes sense to me. Um, you know, I we, we had a little a Friendsgiving kind of thing a few weeks ago, and uh, we had macaroni and cheese there. Um. But we, we, I mean, we smoked a brisket. We knew the kids weren't going to eat that. So it just seems like the last couple of years, especially this year, my social media is so overwhelmed by people's recipes for mac and cheese, people defending mac and cheese, people not defending mac and cheese. And so I'm glad Judon brought it up, brought it up. But it, so it what, what did Judon say anyway about mac? Basically, that it has no place on a Thanksgiving table, and I, yeah. and I, and I yeah. agree with him because it was never yeah. on mine. But, but this yeah. is a thing. This became a thing, and I don't know. Maybe all three of us are just too old for this, but. Or maybe I'd, I'm just spending too much time on social media with. You know, <laughs> yes, that yeah. was me. That was what I was about to say. <laughs> well, I had I also had no fewer than these are. I only saw I saw four posts, different Facebook posts from friends of mine uh, with links to Alice's restaurant, which you know again just tells you more about my friends than it does me probably. <laughs> well, you know what? I just uh, played that on the uh, kids show that. It's going to oh, broadcast tomorrow, Eight, 18 minutes. And it was, yeah, yeah. I, I had forgotten how good it is. It was really good. And yeah. you know, the, the initial um, sin is that he, he throws garbage <laughs> over yep. the cliff. So yeah. he really screwed up. I had forgotten like that he was, even though it was, you know, it was all about Obi and all that stuff, but really he deserved whatever he got for throwing all this garbage over the cliff. You know? He definitely becomes a more uh, less of a sympathetic character yes, as the yeah. years go on. Yeah, I, I, I after listening to it, I took Obi's side. <laughs> so wait, there was, was a very funny song. So wait, we had a divergence a couple of minutes ago, and I, I said we'll get to that later, and I've already forgotten what it was. Uh, the He's, Chinese tennis player. No, no, no. no before, while we were already talking about Judon and mac and cheese. Nothing. Uh, I just wanted. to... Judon's doing great. He is a like so. Belichick went on his spending spree for the Patriots, and Judon is having a sensational year. Spectacular player. He he hit on uh, on that 
free agent. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Judon is a he's a he's a elite top tier defensive, you know, edge rusher, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, Hunter Henry, I think he hit on clearly he's a, he's a top 10 tight end in the league. John New Smith isn't used as much as I thought he would be. No, but he, he no. hopefully he's going to come on. Um, Wait, Matt, I, weren't you the one ripping all the old Belichick signings for about the last six weeks? I, I ripped Belichick as a GM at the beginning of the year. I ripped him as a GM because it just, it, it, I thought he was, he had a bad team put together and was able to Brady was able to, to fill the gaps there. Um, he, he hasn't drafted. Well, when was the last uh, Matt, well, Mac Jones, okay. Mac Jones. No, 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 well, no, no, no. Well, and, so and I hate to be the one who brings this guy up, but Tom Brady gets that guy, gets him a free pass on the draft for right. life yes. for but, his but career. No, but I think the thing you're right that Belichick has had some terrible drafts, but almost every, coach general yeah. manager has oh yeah but this no, well, this year this year look what he did mac jones who appears to be a decent player um christian barmore who's unbelievably good and then the third pick was somebody good too who i'm drawing a blank on well, right the now. one the one thing you can say about belichick too is that with the two most important positions on the field they're never terrible they're never terrible at cornerback they're never terrible at offensive tackle and if you have Good players at those two positions, you can only stink so badly. Yeah, that's fair. So this was a really good year for Belichick. Plus, he's coaching really well. But now, what do you think he's going to do against Tennessee? Tennessee is hurting without um, Derrick Henry. And yeah, they sort of Tennessee. I, look, I, um, I I feel bad saying this because I, I don't want to be totally bashing the Patriots, but. I think, and this is, I, I still hold true. I don't, uh, all right. <laughs> I don't want to be like a, 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 a hater of the Patriots, but, you know, they get a, a Browns team. They beat the Browns when there's, they're banged up with their running game, a banged up Baker Mayfield. They did beat the Chargers when the Chargers were at full strength. They're getting a Tennessee team with no King Henry, no Julio Jones. I think I just got a thing that said AJ Brown is going to be out too. Good. Um, so look, it's not the Patriots' fault, but they're they're going to win. And uh, yeah, AJ Brown is out. So they're literally the 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 Patriots should shut out Tennessee Titans. They're they're rolling with a JV offense. Um, no, there, there's there's never. I I think you're underestimating the parity of the league this year. And I think you can never look at an NFL team that won a game and say they should have won it differently or they should have won it more. You win a game, you win a game. It, winning games is, is that's the hardest league, hardest professional league to win games is the NFL. So I think you can't, you can't ever look at a team and say these wins don't count enough because they no. only beat this team. No, you're, they I, beat I, the shorthanded team by three points. They also beat Cleveland uh, 45 to seven. No, so I agree with you. And that's why if you'd like, I, I kind of was like, Hmm, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to bash it because I 1000% agree with you. It is hard to win an NFL game. Um, that being said, I think you, you can't say that a Tennessee Titans full strength would look different than it would this weekend. 
Right, but you can't devalue the win if the no, Patriots win enough. the game. Either, that you play with whoever fair. the other team shows up with, so no, you can't. Yeah. Fair, but what I think you can do is take this into account when you're, when you're trying, in, in our expert opinions, that <laughs> go, can go as far as I can throw a stone. Um, in our expert opinions, I do take that into account if I'm trying to think of, all right, what is this team going to do in a playoff when they're going up against another full-strength team you know, you got to, you're 1000% right. You still have to go out there and win. It's not easy to win. Tennessee Titans are not going to roll over just because they're shorthanded on offense. They still have a pretty good defense. Maybe they win a 10, seven game, you know, who knows? So it, it's, it's still a game, but uh, well, if, you're, if, you're, if you're looking at a, you know, at this as a potential playoff matchup, I, you know, I think, whoever's coaching the Titans, I think Bill Belichick's Patriots beat him eight out of 10 times. Cause you're talking well, about, well, it's hard to say Rabel's well, actually beaten uh, Belichick head to head twice. Yeah. Rabel is the one who ended Tom Brady's career in new England. I didn't realize so, he was the coach there. I need to be a little more up on these things. Yeah. I think I'm just curious what you guys think, but he, um, I think it's going to be a very low scoring, very tight game tomorrow. Yeah. I think it's going to have to be low scoring for Tennessee to have any chance. They, I mean, who's going to score for them? That's, that's the thing. Like Tannehill has struggled mightily without Derrick Henry there. And he's looking like Ryan Tannehill of the Miami. Right. Dolphins. He threw, he threw four interceptions last week. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's, a top 12 quarterback in the league with, with, with Derrick Henry, he absolutely is right. Right. Without Derrick Henry, you know, so I just, I don't have any faith. No, I, the, the thing is, I just remembered um, the Patriots third round pick was Rah- Rahandra Stevenson, a really, really good runner. So oh, Ramon, Ramondre, the running back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was a third round guy. I thought they got yeah. that it was, he was, yeah. he's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really good. Yeah, um, Tannehill, 13 touchdowns, 12 interceptions this year. He's but not, four of them, four of them were last week. He had a tremendous start. He's, but he's not. I mean, those numbers are nowhere near what what they were last year, the year before. I, I think he yeah. he may be he may be coming back to earth a little bit. He's also 33, right. which is kind of about when you can stop counting on your your muscle quickness, your the superiority of your of your muscle work. So I think he was he he hit the peak of his physical ability right as he got to Tennessee. But I, I think I, I'd be surprised if he's, if he doesn't continue to decline from here. I mean, I, those, well, those two years were kind of a, kind of a surprise to most people anyway. Yeah. Hey, when, when Derek Henry is your running back, I mean, he opens a lot of things up. Right. Passing right. Game, you know, he's, he's, and that's sort of why I think the Patriots are in good shape tomorrow or Sunday because, well, he, um, because they've been running so well. Yeah. They have a good offensive line and um, they have two or three really good runners. Whereas Tennessee is sort of scuffled. Well, so. he's also, he's also been sacked 31 times already this year, which was as, as much as he's been sacked in an entire season since uh, 2015. So that's, you You're know, talking about Tannehill Tannehill. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, okay. go ahead. Well, sticking with the NFL, can we do a little New York 
football sports here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you're in New York if you want. Hey, no, well, I just, I got to tell you, as sad and depressing and want to throw up in my mouth the Giants have been this year, I actually smiled this week when I got the Giants notification that Jason Garrett has been fired <laughs> and relieved of his offensive coordinator duties. So first, first yeah. of three, uh, your coach and your GM are going at the, I, I as soon as the season's over. You would, but, but Matt would love his GM going, right? GM is next. And then I, 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 I think judge is a toss up. I think if you no, I think he, I don't agree, Joe. I, Joe's he's shaking his gone. head. People gone. People not watching. You know? Gone. <laughs> but, but hear me out. I mean, it, look, I'm not as um, optimistic as I was. I'm not as defensive towards Joe Judge as I was at the beginning of the year. But when you look at where the Giants were, four and eleven or four and twelve, four and twelve, three and thirteen before Joe judge got there last year, they made progress this year. They didn't. I think you can look at if a new GM comes in, I think it's a fair decision to be had. I, I, I don't think Joe judges is on the chopping block. Um, he has turned around the, um, the culture. It has, they haven't won, but right. again, I mean, the team they turned was, around, has he turned around the culture? It doesn't, yeah, like it, so. it doesn't seem like any of the players like him very much. But but you you say that, and the Giants had one of the best off seasons as far as free agents wanting to come play in New York in years. So clearly, yeah. there's something there. Um, the, I think the, the new team, GM will give him a year. Give the team year. that was supposed to be on the field hasn't been on the field at all this year, not for one game. You know, Saquon Barkley, and I, and, and no, look, you know, not, none of this matters, right? You know, coaches don't get five years to make it in the NFL anymore. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. There's no way. Here's the thing. If they weren't going to bring, if they weren't going to bring in a new GM, I could see it, it. Okay. Let's hang on with these guys for one more year, but no new GM is going to want to keep this coach. It would be different if they were if they improved three, three wins each year when he was there, but they're, they're going to be at the same. They were four and 12 under Shermer in his last year. They were six and 10 last year. They're three and seven. They're not going to finish better than six and 11 this year. Right. Is that, that's an optimistic view. If they run the table, I will, what will I do? I will. Don't say it. Cause you'll end up having to do it. I will walk to the first playoff game naked. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's silly. I just it'll be in Seattle. You, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not as uh, defensive as I, at the beginning of the year, I would have told you no way, you know, they're sticking with him. He turned things around. I don't know. There's a lot of iffy questionable calls, but you know, let's see what happens now that Jason Garrett is out. I mean, it's inexcusable. Let, let's break this down for a second. You're coming out of your bye week. You finally have as healthy a Kenny Galladay as you have had all year. You give him two targets. You finally have a Saquon Barkley back who he's bad at ankle injury, ACL, whatever, but he's back. He's cleared. You give him six carries. Like, what are you doing, offensive coordinator? 
So well, of course that's all that's that's all the head coach's responsibility responsibility too to step in and say, Hey, what the F are you doing? So you and, can't and and he, he got fired. You know, I, he's but you gotta have to do it during I, the game too. Yeah, you know, like so, you have to but I listened to so look, I'm not I'm not an NFL head coach. I don't know what goes on in these these meetings, but I'm gonna and, and who knows if when Joe Judge is talking in front of the media, he's given the truth, but it's not like high school coaches where I'm the high school head coach and I'm making the game plan. Like the offensive coordinator is making the offensive game plan. But when these things are happening on the field, according to Joe judge, according to Joe judge, what the coordinators do is, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's kind of my plan. This is what we're doing here. And so they're on the same page, but Joe judge, according to him, he's, he's like, I have the big picture. I have everything in my head. I do not call plays. I do not run scheme. I, I as, as a as a matter of course, I get that. But when things are happening on the field that are adversely affecting your team's success, you have to take control of that. And whether that means him going over and whispering in Garrett's ear for three or four plays, this is what we're doing, or grabbing him by the jacket in the locker room at halftime and telling him stop doing this and do this. At some point, the head coach is responsible, responsible for everything that happens on that field, including the offensive play calls, even if he's not calling the offensive plays. So you can't only blame Gary. And I understand he's going to be as the architect and the executor on the field. He's going to be the first one to go, but again, that all falls under the head coach. And no, I mean, nobody's, nobody's denying that. But this is the head coach saying, all right, dude, you're fired. <laughs> now but, let's see what happens. So now let's see what happens. If if now, if Freddie Kitchens and Joe Judge can't do better than Garrett, it wasn't Garrett, and then Joe Judge is gone. But if this offense turns around to be more electric, they have talent on paper. They have talent. So if this offense can turn it around, and maybe it doesn't translate into to running the table wins, but if this offense can do more coming out of your bye week, Tampa Bay is not a good defense right now. They're banged up in the secondary. And and it's basically the Giants scored three points on them. I mean, they didn't even show up. So if their offense shows a little bit of life, I'm willing as a fan, if you bring Joe Judge back, I'm not going to kill you for it if you're a new GM. I'm not saying I'm not saying Garrett shouldn't have been fired. I don't think he should have had that job in the first place. But the worst thing you can do for morale on a coaching staff is fire an assistant midseason, because what that tells the rest of your staff is when things go wrong, you're going to point to one of us and say it's his fault. And that's where Judge has done zero to accept any responsibility for any of the struggles of this team. And if you watch, I've, I've only seen them play twice this year. And one of them, the last one was three or four weeks ago. But the one thing I notice is that nobody talks to judge on the sideline. And I, I don't, I've, I've never seen that before where no one is engaging with the coach. He He's not trying to have any interactions with players or other coaches during the game. It's really bizarre. I don't know if they've shut him out or if he's just, that you know in his own zone that he can't communicate with other other people but that struck me as being really really odd and i don't know you watch way more giants games than i do i I don't i I honestly i don't i i watch the monday night game um i watched it with the manning telecast though um 
I, I really don't watch that many giant games. I, I get all the notifications. I pay attention to the press conferences. I, I disagree a little bit. I do think Joe Judge, I mean, the first thing he said after Monday night was coaches, I, and we as coaches need to do better. Right. And, and then, Joe, the thing that is, was his, I, that was exactly what he came I have out to take um, issue with you about your comment about offensive coordinators. Josh McDaniels on the Patriots, he calls the plays. And he right, calls but, okay. But if he's, if Josh McDaniels goes out there and runs the ball up the gut five times in a row on third and 25, don't you think Belichick is going to say something to him? Isn't it yeah. Belichick's responsibility to say something to him? Yeah, at that absolutely. Point? But but that happens probably after the game or whatever. I don't know. I mean, the, I, the I think, coach has a lot to do with it, but the offensive coordinator is on their own, and McDaniel's is having a sensational year. But I guarantee you that if he does something that Belichick doesn't like, or that Belichick think is go- thinks is going to adversely affect their chances right. of success, he's going to correct that. He's not going to wait till they get in the locker room or no. after the game. He's going to do it right then and there. Yeah. We're also it's a, it, you're you're comparing apples and oranges. You're comparing a good OC Josh <laughs> McDaniels to Jason Garrett. So it, that's a tough comparison. But here's what I think. Here's what how again not being a coach in in the NFL, not in any meetings. This is kind of what I gather from Joe Judge's interview post firing Garrett. They meet during the week, so they're on the same plan, meaning – so Josh McDaniel I, I, I get all that, but what I'm saying is in the game, when things stink, you have to take control. If you're the head coach, that's your job. You are the one but, that's going to be primarily accountable for all that. You have to take control over your coordinators. I don't think – I think – I just – I guess I don't – what do you want him to do? Oh, Jason right. Garrett, we scored 10 points. I'm calling the plays now. Like, what do you want him no, to no, do? No, all, all I'm saying is you can't blame, you can't solely blame Garrett for anything that's happened on the field because it's judge's oh, yeah. responsibility to step to intervene before it gets too bad. That's yeah. all I'm saying. No, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying step one, Jason Garrett, let's see what, let's see what <laughs> happens this week. You know, uh, there's, uh, I, I'm hoping for a lot of trick plays against the Eagles. I'm hoping for some creativity. I'm hoping for some, you know, let's bring this back to Pop Warner. I guess I was going to ask if they had a Wildcat quarterback, but I guess they could put Tony. They could put Tony back there. He'd, he'd be exciting because he can throw, right? Who? Tony. He's out next week. He's not even playing. Uh, what, what's up now? What's up? I don't know. A foot, ankle. I don't know. I, I, he's, he's out. All right. Well, listen. Since we've uh, can we any other NFL or can we move to the Chinese tennis player? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, w- I want to correct something that we said last week about this. Um, so Peng Shui, we we you know we're talking about how she's gone missing, and then there's been these um, cryptic fo- photos and messages released, but all by the government. It's kind of questionable whether right. they're actually from her. So we still don't know if she's okay. But one of the things that we got wrong last week and when we first mentioned it, I said that um, she made a, a political statement, which is what had gotten her in trouble, but she'd actually accused a high ranking government official of raping her. So that's, I just want to make sure that's we're clear on that, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, I mean, you know, China is a problem for the world, for um, the United States. Um, and they're also incredibly successful. They've sort of, um, you know, made themselves into a tremendous power. 
not necessarily for good. But um, so this young woman has, whether she's certainly been disappeared to a degree. And the only reason that the Chinese responded with what may have been, you know, and it may be the truth that she's still around. She's certainly not free to speak. And so my contention, my issue <clears throat> is not necessarily with the Chinese, but it's with the, the tennis federation with, um, you know, human rights organizations, any, any sports organization needs to be speaking up against the way China is handling this, this player. Yes. She said something they didn't like, but that doesn't mean in most of the world that you disappear. Well, and, you know, we, we've seen this come up. We've seen China come up, you know, with the NBA a few years ago. And these leagues understand that there's money to be made in China. So they want to have these partnerships. But China still, it, you know, again, the, the human rights record is is atrocious. And so on on the one, you know, on the one hand, as moral Americans, we want to not have anything to do with China athletically, but then you deny Chinese athletes the chance to participate internationally, which takes something from them. So it's, it's a, it's a weird balance, right? That these international organizations have to take, but you're right, Daryl, the WTA long since should have stepped in forcefully about this. And the, it, it's really kind of bothersome that the things that have been released you know, supposedly to as proof that she's alive and well have all come from the right. government and are all sort of either could all be old or faked or is that really her? Like they're all right. suspicious. And so none of it, none of it has given me any confidence that she is alive and well. You know, I don't know if she's even alive anymore. If she is, she's locked in a dungeon somewhere. And all for the sin of telling what happened to her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And she, right. And she being a victim from the very beginning, you know, now she's. So, I mean, that's, that's the, you know, cause there's a the Beijing uh, winter Olympics is coming up. I, I just think there needs to be some sort of parent organization, tennis organization that has the guts to do something about this. You can't just let this go. And, you know, and your, but your basic point about China and money is really the issue. And it's really why, you know, Facebook and, and all these companies, when they go to China, they they change their standards to fit into the Chinese standards. And it's not not a good thing. Well, you know, it's funny, Daryl, you just gave me a, a wild idea. And we do enough criticism of, of these organizations here. But what we need is like a global athletics commission that can oversee like an ethical athletics commission that can oversee the IOC and the FIA and all these, the NCA and all of these organizations that are, are, you know, doing all these horrible things or at least, at least become these giant corrupt organizations. Right. And that's what I, I, I nominate the three of us. We could be the whole commission <laughs> right here. Why, why not? We, we, you know, why not? We pretty much do it unofficially here, don't we? I mean, okay, I, but wait I, I don't, isn't there this thing that you have to be qualified? <laughs> Who's qualified to do anything nowadays? We're, it's, it's American 2021, Daryl. I'm qualified if I say so. Damn it. We have a podcast. We're qualified to be anything we want. It's true. You know, I, I don't know 
as much. I'm not as well versed as, as you two are in this story. I, I, I read what you sent um, the other day. You know, I, I, it, it, it does remind me a little bit. Remember, it was was it two or three years ago, Joe? And I think you talked about it. The issue uh, Daryl Morey came up with some of the um, yeah yeah issues up in China, and and you know and got shut down, got and, silenced and, yeah, by the league immediately. You know, yeah, and, and it's the money talks. Yeah, because you know some of these NBA players who are more outspoken. I mean, the NBA is. I mean, the NBA and the WNBA are probably the two more outspoken organizations when it comes to issues that the social issues. And here, you know, it's too bad. And and but there's a lot of money at stake for the NBA in China and and athletes overseas. So it's unfortunate that I mean, even I, I did see ESPN covered it. Once I think last weekend they covered it, but I haven't. I don't watch ESPN really during the week, so it's hard. I don't. I can't say that they haven't been reporting it, but um, you know, they're. I don't think they're talking about it as much as they should be. No, it does seem like coverage quieted down. Like there were burst over a couple of days, and then these you know images that that got released by the government seem to have have quieted a lot of the questioning down, but not, not in my mind. I'm, I'm with you there, man. I'm usually, I'm usually not when you're criticizing the, you know, the media, but, um, but how about, and this is sort of different subject, but how about, can we talk about LeBron? I have that actually Brit. Yes. So we, there's two things. There's, there's two things is the, the thing with Stuart, but the other thing is what happened. I think last night where he had a fan kicked out near the end of the game. Yeah, two fans, I think, actually. Yeah. 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 Well, and the, and the rare, both those things are pretty rare for him, like to be, even to be ejected. I know he hasn't been ejected very many times and he doesn't, he doesn't have a whole lot, whole lot of trouble with the fans where you might imagine he would catch a lot of heckling, you know, especially from visiting courtside fans, but he doesn't have a, even like a, a record of jawing back and forth with, with fans behind the bench. He seems to have a pretty good relationship with, with fans that are, have been courtside. So yeah, I sent you guys this story. This happened a few nights ago with him getting or getting the fans kicked out. I wanted to find more. I, I did find out what is reported of them saying. Um, so my first reaction though was, I hope this better be something good. Like I hope these fans, not that I would want them to say something totally inappropriate, but I, I hope. But it had to be pretty drastic, right? I hope they crossed the line for LeBron to kick them out was my initial thought. And um, I kind of think they did. They, they, oh, okay. I thought, I really thought you were setting that up to go in the other direction. Like they criticize yeah. his balding, you know, balding head. No, or something, no. But. So I, I, let me tell you, it is reported that they said, uh, we hope Bronny dies in a car accident. Whoa. Yeah. Over the line. So that's, that's his son. So I, as a dad, you yeah. can say what you want about me. You can, you can right. say what you want, say what you want about me. Uh, you don't talk right. about my kids. I mean, just right. as a human so, being, that's an atrocious, like, I mean, I, I don't have kids. I, I don't have to have kids to know that that's a, just a atrocious thing right. to say. All right. So let's, let's forget about that one then. That, no, but, but no, no, I, yeah, I think no, that's I, actually an interesting topic to talk about because you know, we as fans, why, who 
do you think you are to have the right yeah. to, to say to someone playing basketball and look like you want to talk about him balding sorry lebron james you gotta have <laughs> right. tougher skin than that like i i right. would i would defend the fans there you oh you know you suck you we hate you right. you know fine you want to say that yell that all you want i'm there right. but why do you think as a fan you have the right to hope that another man's son dies oh. in a car accident because you're at a basketball game i just you know, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why, as a fan, you would want to throw something onto the court. And I just, I don't, I think it has to do with, and, and apparently, too, these were two college students. Right. Um, or young, young home young, for young their Thanksgiving, yeah. Thanksgiving break. Now, I'm assuming these are college kids who do a lot of talk on Twitter, too. And I think that has something to do with it. We have so many people now who no longer interact with another human being face to face. All their interaction is done, positive or negative, on a phone. And I can text you something. You don't know my emotion. I can text you something. If I if I if if it's all caps, I'm angry. Like I, I and so you know, I, this is a scary thing for me. And as someone who is in education and I, I pay attention to student behavior and, and human behavior, this is concerning to me because I think we as people, we don't understand the ramifications and consequences of talking to other people because we're so used to well daryl and i do because we grew up like that we you know well, I, I, well, I grew up like that too like I, that's what i'm saying like but it's concerning i i think if you can i i can i, I wouldn't you know you can tweet something bad about somebody and you never have to to deal with the ramifications of your your words i don't i can tweet something bad about you daryl and i will never see your reaction you can read it you can you can cry it could send you into your room it could send you into depression like right i can say mean things to you but i never have to see the consequences of my mean words and and well, to I've, me, I've, yeah no that's a good point but i i've always felt that that's because of the anonymity that the internet gives you so, you know, you, you like, I don't think when people were face to face is was sort of the only way they communicated. Um, you didn't say these awful things. Yeah. You didn't say, I hope your son dies in an accident. You wouldn't I say can't that. Believe, I can't believe that I'm going to crotchety old man, both of you on this one, <laughs> because I, I think you're both, I, I think you're both, <laughs> I think you're both looking at, the behavior of the worst of a generation and saying the entire generation is ruined. I actually think that because of those things, I think maybe that that may have been more true. The, the slightly older group than this, like the, and I, Matt, I'm going to lump you in there. Yeah. Like the late thirties to late twenties are probably the, the, the group, you know, the mini generation or whatever, that is the most desensitized. I think what's happened with the younger kids, you know, mid twenties and younger twenties now, and into this like, you know, college age group is that they become attuned to exactly what you just pointed out, that there was this stretch of years where 
everybody felt like I can, you know, there, there was, there weren't a whole lot of consequences to anything that anyone posted online. I think that's changing. I think now that, I mean, we can look over the last three or four years and look at all the things that people have tweeted that have gotten, got them in trouble. I keep bringing up Ken Jennings and Jeopardy, but he would be the permanent host of Jeopardy if he hadn't tweeted a tasteless joke about disabled people like six years ago. So I think that that is turning if it hasn't already turned. And I think this group of kids that's, you know, like my niece and nephew's age. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who have kids that are kind of in their late teens, early twenties. And I feel like that group, that mini generation is much more sensitive to exactly again, like what you just described that, that, that these things are anonymous and there isn't any, you can't when if I, if I say something, it horribly insulting to either of you right now. I can see your, even though we're not in the same room, I can mm-hmm. see your it in your eyes and I can see that I upset you. And I can then as a human being decide if I'm going to correct what I just said or not. Or enjoy it. <laughs> right. But when you, when you're just throwing these things out of the world to be absorbed asynchronously, you don't have that. You, you get some feedback if people are gutsy enough to reply to you, but that doesn't always happen either. So. I mean, I, Hey, I hope you're right. I, I, and, and I, I get, I hope you're right. Um, I just, I, I'm trying to make sense of why in the world, why would you say that to another person? Right. I mean, some people I, are just terrible human beings. And, and maybe, maybe that's it. You know, he's not the first person and it's by, by no means the worst thing that's ever been said by a fan to, to an, an athlete. I, and I think we've talked about this a little bit too, that the, behavior now that people are being allowed out in public, the public standards for behavior has fallen quite a bit. And it's kind of keeping me from going out in public if I, if I want to be brutally honest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So when, when I read the story, I thought, I hope, I hope they cross the line. I, I just read it this afternoon that this is what they had alleged to say that it, to me crossed the line. Well, yeah. Um, I'm and, glad and, you, you know, I'm glad LeBron you for getting them out. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because now I feel I support what LeBron did. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm less. Well, I just want to like I'm less surprised that someone that a fan said something atrocious than I would be that if a fan had handed him a, a ten thousand dollar check to donate to his foundation. You know what I mean? Like I expect that's something that I. It doesn't mean it's great. Doesn't mean it should happen. But right. I'm not surprised that that stuff probably happens. Well, it's a it's, lot. It's the malice in the palace. That whole incident was a very similar type, you know, situation. But the other thing that LeBron was involved with was this Isaiah Stewart. And the one thing that I do know that he sort of did was, you know, when you swing your hand back, I, I think he knew what he was doing when he whacked Stewart. I think he did. Um, and so, but the thing is, Stewart um, completely lost it, like completely mm-hmm. lost it, so that he basically had to be controlled like four or five times. Then he kept busting tackles. And so it's interesting. So so um, LeBron got one game suspension, which may be one of the first suspensions he's ever gotten. And then, uh, but Stewart got two games. But, um, you know, 
it seemed about right. But the, the even the suspension on LeBron kind of seemed almost like a technicality, like because he, he made contact with the move. Like I feel like if he had swung that elbow and missed, he he would have been he wouldn't have been suspended. It wasn't. It it was by again like by no means the most you know violent or vicious thing I've seen on a court. It was weird to see yes. him make kind of a you know out of bad temper move like that. That's not something we see from him a lot, but Hey, I, you know, I'm getting crotchetier as I get older. So he, I might take a swing. Stewart saw that. blood. And when he saw his own blood, he just completely lost it. He, yeah. He lost it. I'm actually, I mean, I kind of think the one game suspension for LeBron. Okay. Whatever. I, I was kind of like, if you think about it, I, I don't know the Stewart. He didn't hit anybody. I mean, he caused he hit his teammates. Like, he was like an well, out of he control. Pushed through him. I mean, I, I actually thought I, if you gave him a one-game suspension too, I wouldn't have griped over that, you know. But whatever, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Matt. Matt, it was it was odd that you were the one who brought up the entitled fans because you're usually talking about the entitled players, and I'm defending them against the entitled fans. But actually, the players have not have not comported themselves all that well the last couple of weeks. Robert Covington, the Blazers, the other night um, got a foul called on him and took off. He's been wearing one of those plastic half half mask face shields, took it off and threw it at towards an official and it bounced a couple times and hit the official in the leg. So he got ejected rightfully, but just, yeah. like, just like, what are you doing? What yeah. First of all, if I have to wear that thing on my face, the last thing I'm doing is throwing it on the ground <laughs> of a basketball court. If I have to put it back on my face and just what you $12 million a year, this guy makes and he can't control his competitive urge that badly. It just, it, the, the petulance of it. And then, you know, we, we haven't even gotten into um, Aaron Rodgers uh, going on the Pat McAfee show where he's apparently a regular now coming on every week, this time to show us all his toe. I mean, really guys, the world is ending. That's, that's what all well, this is. Here's the to. thing with Aaron Rodgers. And I actually like, I've been thinking about what um, Dave, our guest from a few weeks ago was saying. And like, I guess I get it. Um, his sort of Aaron Rodgers is one of those. He's a weird individual. He does yeah. not trust anyone in the media he records every single one of his interviews so he can't be taken out of context you know and he's always he he does kind of come off a little bit as um you know the, the whole r-e-l-a-x thing you know remember when he did that when they lost a few games um but somebody re was reporting that he had covid toe um and so He's like, that's not even a thing. I don't have it. I have a broken toe. So we showed his toe to the camera, but he, he kind of acts like a child a little bit. Like he's not yeah, able man. to, to let that go. But at the same time, you have somebody reporting and writing a story that he has COVID toe <laughs> and that's not true. So he's like, no, I want to show the world. I have a broken toe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just like he was made sure that everybody understood his vaccination. Yeah, he doesn't want to make the same mistake twice. <laughs> very generous of you matt very generous of you let me try and do this without getting myself in trouble so then over the last month or so i've started writing for a couple of these online sites that are part of i'm just going to call it one of the the major sports blog umbrellas and the the evolution of sports coverage and you guys have seen this is through all these very specific sites so there's a 
site for every MLB team, every NHL team, every NBA team. And there are, you know, dozens of these umbrella sites now that have all these, you know, little, you know, Bleacher Reports one there. You, we've all been to a lot of them, right? Mm -hmm. The emphasis, and I didn't realize this has happened because I haven't done any active sports writing in five or six years. And in that time, it's evolved. The emphasis is no longer on a good, accurate game story or a compelling feature or a well-written anything. The emphasis is on search engine optimization. It's how how high can your articles be in Google searches? And the, it's done with a combination of like behind the hood tricks where you go into, you make specific SEO programming you know, entries and you, you know, you, there are things you can set up that way. But a lot of it is driven by what's in the first paragraph, what's in the third paragraph, where's your first heading, what, what have you embedded behind this photo, what, how many times do you use this particular word? And so everything has kind of moved from an emphasis on compelling writing and great reporting to what's going to get this ad the most views because that's what, and again, like everything, you know, we keep coming back to commercialization, but you, these organizations can no longer survive unless they're bringing in money. And the way to bring in money is to, to have all this kind of content. Now, a giant organization like the Dallas morning news or the New York times can afford to still do journalism, even if they have, you know, just a, a online, you know, just a regular online publication site to make some some revenue that way. But those giant organizations still have enough advertising to support that kind of journalism. Any sort of new outlet doesn't. So I, I guess I guess I'm having it's given me more. It's lowered my standards for what I expect to see on the internet now, and it's. It's tough because it it I, my goal is to not is is was not to do that right was to not wasn't my goal was to write good stuff and write interesting stuff and you know eventually work for Sports Illustrated or you know the Athletic or one of these sort of longer form outlets but it, it it's hard to do when so much of the emphasis is on these sort of like you know high reading rate pieces and even within that there's there's tricks like it takes months to build up a personal presence it within google so you know i'm three or four months away from seeing my peak numbers on these sites just because my name has, has only been out there for a month as a writer so i get like what you're saying is it's the clickbait it's the if you if you headline a story aaron Rodgers has covid toe you're going to get people to click to read that to see what that is. Whereas he has a fractured pinky toe. I'm not going to read that. That's what you're saying, right? Well, it, it but it, so there's a couple things to it, right? There is right. It's a more sensational story, but people are Googling COVID a lot. Mm -hmm. way more and than, Aaron Rodgers a lot. And way more than fractured toe Aaron Rodgers. And that's all right. it really takes is to combine, you know, if you get the right combination. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, I've been writing these couple of um, um, like point spread prediction preview, you know, picks against the spread over under before Blazers game, before the last two Blazers games. And I've, 
I don't remember if I Googled this accidentally, if I was thought I was searching the WordPress site, but I Googled Blazer's odds and my story was the first one that came up. So it wow. doesn't take much to treat, you know, once you learn the tricks, it doesn't take much to get you there. But again, you're right, Matt, it is, it's all kind of but tricks that, I mean, clicks. Yeah. That's, you know, you can't fault somebody for saying, I don't trust what the media is going to say because they're not worried about telling me accurate information. They're worried about getting their story up on Google. You well, know but I mean? you can do both. Like I've written, right. Yeah, there, I'm, there, I'm, wasn't, yeah. there wasn't any, there weren't any factual errors or, or, you know, wild speculation right. in that, in that story that was, you know, a number one Google result, but you know, there it's easy to no one <laughs> put it this way, whether or not I have my SEO stuff filled out properly is getting way more attention than whether or not there are any factual errors in any of these stories. So it's as much that that's where the editorial attention is going. And mm -hmm. even like, you know, there's no fact checking. I could make stuff up and put it and it's then it's, you know, it's going to come back to me eventually. And, but I am, you know, and again, like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a properly thoroughly trained journalist in law and ethics not everyone who's writing for, you know, patriotsblog.com is, you know, or right. even, you know, and again, that's where sort of like Bleacher Report is sort of set, you know, is one, one of the few that are set above the others because they do hire real journalists. They have a lot of really, really well-trained, really qualified people in charge and, and doing their writing. But that same thing is not the case as you get further down the line. Well, but I but I'd like to uh, defend three newspapers, uh, this, the Boston Globe, the New York Times, the uh, Washington Post. They don't write their stories are accurate. They're not like making stuff up. I got, you know? I got their sports I, reporting is right on. I have and sports aside, I have some problems with the New York Times lately. They they've been doing a lot of kind of irresponsible reporting. They they like to do the the Matt Baker both sides thing. Like we want to take this, we want to look at it from the perspective of these these contemptible people over here. And they've really done that kind of comically a few times where you want like what how freaking out of touch is the New York Times? And also they've got these like sort of recycled you know like frightened you know, frightened society person story that they bring out once every three years about polyamory. They write a story about that, how that's the new thing and it's terrifying everyone. They just have these weird, and then they always do these profiles of these absurdly rich people and they try to represent them as if their their problems are the problems of the rest of us. So the, the problem I have with the New York Times is that sort of like bit of elitist out of touchness. But I agree, Daryl. The the Washington Post is has saved America a few times, and will probably right. be called on but to I'm, do it I'm, again. I'm just talking sports too, because the New York Times sports section is fine. They don't they don't have any issues. There are yeah. some great sport. The Dallas Morning News yeah. is fantastic. The L.A. Times yeah. has always been good. The um, San Jose Mercury News has a great sports. So does the you know the interesting thing is is that and you sort of reference this. So what's happened to newspapers, I think it's very unfortunate. And what's happened is they've lost all their advertising. I was just with my son and he's looking at the paper and he goes, there's no um, advertisements in this newspaper at all. And he loves newspapers because he's my son. And, um, um, and they're, you know, losing that ad revenue to the internet 
is is just crippled newspapers crippled them well a big part of the problem is that a lot of the that local newspaper advertising came from local businesses that are that have gone gone down to walmart and target and you know like your your neighborhood grocery do you who has a neighborhood owned grocery store anymore like we have produce markets and we have butcher shops but there used to used to have neighborhood grocery stores that were independently owned they're gone so yeah. all, it was those businesses that that supplied a lot of the local advertising because Walmart has no they have no need for them to advertise in your local newspaper. You know where your Walmart is. You can find it without going to the newspaper. So two minutes left. What do we got? Anything else? Michael Strahan's going to outer space. <laughs> What's that? What do you mean? He like bought That's it. it. I got nothing. Of Michael Strahan's going to outer space. He's, he's... You bought a ticket. Fill in your own punchline here. Yeah. Um, you know, but Ohio State, Michigan this week. We debated earlier. You and know, they both have Michigan one loss, lost. don't they? Huh? Don't they both teams have one loss? Yep. Yep. It, is John Harbaugh done in Michigan if they lose? What's their record? Uh, what like they, seven and one, I think. Seven and one, or whatever. One loss. They have one loss. One no. like eight and one, nine and one. No, you know why? Because he's he's graduating his players at like a ninety-two percent rate. You haven't heard anything about any recruiting scandals or any, you know, sexual assaults or anything like that. He's in in the ways that matter. He's doing a fantastic job, and I'm ashamed that you want to fire him because he's not twelve and one every year. We talked about this when Michigan lost to Michigan State. I don't disagree with you in the things that matter. I just, I, I guess I don't, the boosters care about that. If, if, if Harbaugh loses this year, he's O and whatever to Ohio state. However long he's been there, he's never beaten Ohio state. Oh, like that's a serious thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a serious thing for the Michigan fans. They, they, that's their big game. I'm not debating. I mean, to what to what does matter and what should matter? You're absolutely right. I just wonder if that's what matters to the boosters and to the university. Well, I, I doubt it, but I hope that maybe as a humanity, we're evolving a little bit. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Who do, you're right. You're right. If it, you know, by the only thing they're going to look at is zero and six against Ohio State. But I don't. If that if that's the case, I don't think he necessarily saves himself with a win. Because uh, I don't think one in five looks much better than zero and six. No, but one, but but winning this week gets them into the college playoff, or at least continues into the. And if you get them in, if you get Michigan into the college playoff, you know you you'd keep them around because of those things you said. But I don't know. I think his. I don't think he wins this week, and I think he's done. All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening to another Sports Plus show. Thank you. 